Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 68 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. I'm doing another Stuck at Home special extrasode, but this one's a doozy. In this episode, I welcome one of my musical heroes from Faith No More, Talking Book, and a thousand other projects. Bassist Billy Gould is on the show. Billy was on the show to talk about the new Talking Book album, The Talking Book 2. The Talking Book is his collaboration with Jared Blum, who is part of the Gigante Sound. Billy and I also discuss his time during the COVID-19 shelter-in-place while living in San Francisco, his first meetings with Jared, collaborating with people that may not have worked out, then among other things, we of course talk Faith No More a bit because you just, you just got to. So before we dive into Billy Gould, this is some of The Talking Book from The Talking Book 2. Here are some of Thermal Drift. <laughs> Hey, it's Daniel. Hey, this is this is Billy. Yeah, how's it going, man? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I I, I want to start with a very very basic question because this came through in the emails a little bit. Do you go by Bill or Billy these days? <laughs> People call me both, and I respond to both. Uh, I don't even think about it. All right, I can go to either. Yeah. Okay. I, I ask because I'm Daniel. I don't go by Danny, but like, so yeah. it's like important to some people. Sometimes it's not super. Anyway. Fair enough. How are you on this uh this fine uh. Wednesday morning. As well as can be expected. And yourself? Not too bad. Uh, how's your uh, shelter in place treating you? That's okay. I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting. San Francisco is kind of an interesting place because, uh, I don't know, you can you can kind of get what you need here in a way, uh, but there's, there's space too. It's, it's, it's not too packed. So it's just kind of an, I'm kind of comfortable actually where we are right now. Yeah, I'm. It's not too bad here. I'm up in Davis, outside of Sacramento, and it's. Oh, a, that's nice. Yeah, it's a college town, so a lot of the college kids went home, or you know, bunk, you know, hunkered down in their dorms or whatnot. So, right. it's uh, honestly, it's kind of nice. That's cool. <laughs> uh, other than talking to uh, nerds like me about like the the upcoming releases and whatnot, what have you been doing to keep busy? Uh, boy, a ton of stuff. Um, I mean, we had a Faith No More tour booked uh, for. Uh, starting in May. It was going to go through the whole summer. So that, that got put on hold. But um, I just finished a tour in uh, Australia with MC50. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. Yes. Um, so that was their 50th year uh, anniversary of their album, Kick Out the Jams, uh, last year. So I joined up to, to tour with that. And we kind of kept going. And we got along really well. And it was a lot of fun. So we, we toured with Alice Cooper in Australia. Um, I got involved in some kind of spirits coming out of the Balkans called Rakia that's uh, I've kind of learned how to start importing and kind of turning people on to out here because it's this amazing thing that they make. Uh, Serbia is a great place where they make it and uh, it's made out of plums and it's basically going to keep me happy during the quarantine. I'm not going to lie. When you said spirits, I thought you meant like ghosts and I was just going to roll with it for a second, <laughs> but I, I caught up. No. Um, Booze. Of course. 
Uh, are you surprised that the MC5 did not make it into the Rock and Hall of Fame, or is that something you just don't care about? Because I think, weren't they nominated again? Oh, uh, okay, so it's not my band. Uh, of course. I'm just kind of, I'm happy to be part of it. Uh, I think it's a disgrace, actually, uh, on that side, that they should that they're not recognized. But uh, it doesn't bother me personally. I, it just kind of seemed like a state of things, really. Right. And I know this. Uh, I'm going to switch gears to the uh, the talking book thing that we are here to chat about. Um, yep. I know this is the second go around for this, but how did you first meet Jarrett to begin this collaboration? So uh, I live in a interesting block in San Francisco. It's it's in the Lower Haight, and um, I don't know. It's just always been kind of a cool community for San Francisco. And I've lived on the block, and, and there's a there's a place that uh, they have a thing called Hamburger Tuesday. It's a, it was a sausage place. And people would wait in line because they make these amazing hamburgers. And uh, I met Jared waiting in line on Hamburger Tuesday. <laughs> he knew who I was. He recognized me. We just started talking about music. And he does a lot. He was doing a lot of experimental stuff. And, uh, you know, I have a studio. And I was and I actually kind of listened to a lot of experimental stuff growing up. So we had a lot in common. And, uh, I, you know, I helped him doing some mastering on some of his projects and, you know, helping him with some mixes and it just got to the point where we got to know each other and our tastes, and we decided to start start making music together. See what would happen. Now, now I, I realize you said you got hamburgers from the sausage place. What's so special about these hamburgers <laughs> from the sausage place? You think? Well, it's always sausages, right? But on, on Tuesdays they'll do hamburgers. They're just amazing. They're just really fucking good. Awesome. Um, I read that the second record uh, was a bit of a struggle to put together because of just a mountain of troubles, like including a studio flight. Could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, well, we had finished a tour of Australia and we were kind of really jiving together. I mean, this abstract music is a it's a real it's really about feeling, you know, and, and, and having things feel right together and with different people bringing different things into it. It's it's not always easy to get that chemistry and we kind of had it. And we were thinking, man, we've got all this stuff. We're, we're on a groove. Let's just make a record. Let's get back and record a bunch of stuff. And I don't know, just my, I had a flood in my studio. And so everything was just pulled out of there. Everything, all the cables, wires, everything. And that just kind of put everything on hold. Jared had a, had a baby. Uh, I got in a, an accident, a motorcycle accident. So these kind of things, what happens is time goes by and things that felt like they were pretty good, when you start digesting them, it didn't quite feel as good as they did in the beginning. So, you know, we just kind of, with this kind of music, it's funny, it's, it's, not, it's not like, you, you, it can't really be overproduced. It's ready when it feels ready. It's, it's a little more like cooking. And uh, it just, we just kind of felt like it wasn't quite there. And we didn't know how long it would take. I didn't think it would take long, but it did. It took at least five years. Now, what is the whole process of making these these sort of tracks? Because I'm pretty vanilla in my musical creativity, like, but experimental noise and soundscape stuff really fascinates me. Just because I can't even like, my mind doesn't go that direction. Well, mine doesn't. Mine didn't either, really. I mean, listening to it, it did, uh, and making it, and that's why I kind of was really into getting involved in this in the first place. Because my mind, as a songwriter, thinks more linear you know, in terms of verse and chorus and bridge and things like that. And this is completely different than that. This is like, um, this is really like making sculpture or making like working with clay. It's just, you keep moving it and it moves and it changes and you add something to it and it, and, and everything changes. And, uh, it's, 
it's really different. Um, and it is completely about feeling and gut feeling and you know when you're there. And it's kind of a journey that you know when you've arrived, but until you arrive, it's, it's, it's really tough to get satisfied. And, you, you, and there's no rules. You could p- p- use anything. I mean, we used any kind of sounds we could possibly get from any, and we got old sounds and we, we completely took them out of context and uh, just, you know, it's, it's just like a puzzle, you know, making the puzzle fit. And we didn't know what we were going to get when we got there, but when we got there, it all made sense. And, and, and it was really an interesting uh, exercise. And it sort of sounds like a soundtrack to like a, a gritty film. Uh, what sort of film would you imagine this to be? Like what would the what a elevator pitch of this film be if you were to write one to it? You know, the feeling, it, 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 this is like, this is all subconscious stuff, right? So when it feels good, it's because it's getting somewhere inside of you, right? And when we all kind of like saw that we, we were coming to the conclusion of this, it's like, what do we have here? What did we create here? I mean, it's all about how does it feel? How does it feel to you? And, and, and what kind of, it is a film and it's visual. And we were on the cover of the album is this, this is castle, these castle ruins. And that's kind of where we were going with is this, 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 it was really a story about like some kind of civilization society that had kind of been destroyed. And uh, ironically enough, uh, you know, what we kind of got into was kind of a plague and this is kind of a film about a plague. And, uh, it was a 70s film about a plague, if that makes it a little more specific. You know, it's wild. Like my last interview was with this guy from a band called Elder and they had they're putting out an album called Omens, which is it's a concept album about like the rise and fall of a civilization. And for you, it's like the same subject matter. It's just like it's interesting timing because we all seem to be inadvertently inundating ourselves further with what's happening around us. It's so it's, wild. It's, it's an interesting thing because it's not a conscious thing, it, but it's, you know, first the sounds, you don't, you, you try not to label them. You try to let them kind of exist without, you know, putting your own, you know, uh, conscious ideas on them uh, so that you can actually discover something while you're making it. And, and if you're feeling something from it, you're going in the right direction. And uh, once you get there, you know, what is that thing that your, your subconscious was telling you you needed to get? And, you know, maybe it's just that there's a, you know, there's a certain thing about civilization that there's an uneasiness that, uh, you know, triggers that. Maybe. Um, cool Arrow is putting out this this album, which uh, right. for those listening is the the label that you're the CEO of. Yep. Uh, how has your experience over the years working with other labels influenced how you handle things with Cool Arrow? Ah, uh, well, hmm, I went into this like a musician, so. I just thought it'd be cool to work with some cool other artists, you know, outside of my own band and, you know, put out stuff that people weren't hearing and kind of make a platform for it. So I kind of went into that. But what I learned from other labels was that uh, if you don't sell this product, you're not going to survive. You can't keep doing it. Uh, Being a label is actually selling products. That's actually what it really is. So I watched how other people did it and used their experience to kind of create a happy medium for myself where I could, you know, keep going, uh, but also kind of try to keep some of the original feeling that got me into it in the first place. And, and you mentioned earlier that you were on tour with MC50. So you've worked with like right. that, that man, you've worked with JLB Offer before. Who is someone that you've worked with that you w- would like to work with that you've not before? Oh, that have not? Yes. Whew. There's a million people actually. 
There's a million people. I don't know how long you've got. Um, I've got all day. I'm working from home now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, I mean, I'd have to pull up the Google page and start going through artists. There's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I like to work with anyone. If there's, if, if, if there's, it's kind of like uh, meeting people. You know, I like to make friends. I'd like to work with anybody. That's cool. Um, uh, I, 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 that's not much of an answer, but. No. It's kind of like that random for me, actually. I mean, there's a lot of people that I, I meet them and I just don't like them. There's a lot of musicians I probably feel that way with making music with. But I'm, in general, I like people and, and I like music. So, I, you know, it would be interesting to try to hammer things out with, I mean, a lot of different people. Let's see. Like, uh, Is there someone who's like a schedule just didn't mesh for you and it just hasn't worked out yet, I guess? Oh. Maybe. Huh. Hmm. Not so much. I think that I think I'm kind of like a... A driver of my own content. Uh, I, uh, you know, with, with Coolero, it's kind of like I kind of run it myself. Mm -hmm. uh, with Faith No More, you know, I've kind of put a lot of my focus into that. So I don't really, hmm, I don't, I don't, haven't made schedules that haven't worked out. I kind of create my own schedules. Fair enough. Uh, last June, you tweeted that you. You're messing with the idea of making a like writing your own book. What inspired mm -hmm. that thought, and have you been able to follow through on that, or like are you currently writing one? I am not. Uh, but it, what inspired me was just that you know the way the world works. There's a way things appear, and there's a way things are, and uh, everybody knows this in different fields. Uh, and music is is another one of those things. And and the things I've seen are the things that I've seen a lot of things that people don't know, and. I think that uh, I just uh, one of these days. I think it would be kind of good just to kind of like say what I know. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I mean, sure. I mean, my perspective. I have a very different, interesting perspective that uh, I think that is worth probably telling, and it could probably help other people as well. Now, with the book that you imagine writing, is it closer to the dirt, or is it more? Uh, we somebody else have read. <laughs> I would think it's it's more about perspective. I, that um, you know, I mean, how how you get through life. You know, people tell you how things are, and you have to discover how things really are, right? Uh, I remember, like, you know, in Faith No More. Like, I thought, oh man, if we ever got a gold record, you know, I was thinking about, well, you know, what kind of car am I going to get? You know, what's my house going to be like? You know, you you think of these things because gold record is this unattainable thing, or for these five guys touring in this old truck. And, you know, it, when it came, it, it wasn't like I expected it was, and nobody really prepared me for it, and, and nobody really gave me perspective. Uh, I, if you see a lot of, you know, people, musicians that had hard lives, even though they had a lot of success, it's because nobody gave them perspective, and perspective is everything. Uh, a lot, there's a lot of things that, you know, trade secrets that people don't want you to know because, um, I mean, a lot of it's not as glamorous as you would think, and... There's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And so I don't know if it would be a dirt story, but I, I would like to think it would be kind of like a liberating story where people could kind of, you know, kind of empowering that people can realize that, it, it, you know, anybody can do anything. Now, not to completely spoil a chapter in this book, but what, what did happen when you got your gold record? Not a lot. I think that uh, what happened was we were told it went gold, and then it was about... 18 months before we got our first royalty check. 
So everybody thought I was like this loaded guy because I had a gold record. And we were still just as broke as we were before. And I thought it was some sick joke that the universe played on us. <laughs> I, it did come 18 months later, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't an experience that I thought it was going to be like. I didn't realize the delay was that much, actually. I wonder, has it I, I changed since? <laughs> Nobody told me. I didn't know. I heard they had a goal. They go, great, when's my check? And they go, well, it doesn't really work like that. Did you get the plaque before the check? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> plaque was everything. We took the pictures with the label. Oh, yeah. Everybody was patting themselves on the back. And then it was like, okay, guys, get back on tour. Now, I've heard for some for some bands, like those gold records or, or just other records that aren't even theirs that have been plated. Have you played yours and figured out what it is, if you still have it? Oh, no, I never have it. It's sitting there I've, in my attic. I've got it sitting there somewhere. But no, I'm sure it's not ours, though. I think they recycled all kinds of records with those. I wonder what it is. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you one like super specific question about Faith No More? Sure. So I, my favorite song of yours, like without discrediting any others, is the Cowboy song. I think it's such a crazy cool song that is wildly underrated. Can you tell me like about that song, how like how it came to be, and like its whole deal? Oh, good question. I mean, that was something whew, we wrote around the time of the real thing. And it didn't quite, it wasn't quite worked out when we uh, finished the record. That was one of the ones that didn't quite sit there and we just kept working on it. And because the record was already out, I think we released it just as a single. We didn't ever play it live. I don't know if everybody in the band was 100% happy with it. So that's probably why. Uh, but people have really loved that song. They've really caught on to that. And I, not as much to me to, a lot of other people, but it's a very interesting to see that how that thing is. I still hear about it. Cool. Um, I'm a bassist, and uh, you're a, a big influence on how I played, like from my tone to like effects I use and whatnot. whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Who were some basses that got you start like inspired in the beginning? Hmm. Good question. Uh, when I was my first earlier years of playing progressive rock was was thing that was going so. I would say up till about 15 years old, it was uh, Chris Squire from Yes. Uh, it was uh, King Crimson, um, the um, Starless and Bible Black record. I think it was John Wetton was the bass player. Just killer, grunting tone. Then when I got into punk, I mean, well, Motorhead was around that time. Great, great tone there. Uh, this band called The Jam, uh, Bruce Foxton, great. Kind of old Rickenbacker tone and weird enough, and I kind of... I didn't ever have, I, I never played a Rickenbacker, but I, but I liked the grunt of it. So that was kind of got me into that kind of playing. And have you always strictly been a bassist? Cause I, from what I can tell your credits are bass, 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 then be like mixing and kind of behind the scenes, more behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I, I can play everything badly. <laughs> <laughs> I write songs and guitar. I've written songs and piano. I've, I've written Faith No More songs with guitar. But, uh, Bass is kind of, you know, my competency is really where I'd, I'd feel okay to be playing it in front of people. And I'm going to kind of start winding us down here. Um, you, you've already touched yep. on the, the May dates uh, looking like they're not happening as planned. Uh, as more things are being postponed and whatnot, how is this like your, your tour with Corn or any of that other stuff looking at the moment? Because I think it was late uh, summer. I, I, don't, I, I mean, it's nothing I could talk about here. I mean, it's okay. kind of has to come from the promoter and the band, really. Um, so I can't say, and I, I don't even really know because every day is a moving target as far as the health here in this, you know, right. in this country. So I can't tell you. Okay. 
All I can tell you is Talking Book is coming out on April 24th. Oh, of course. <laughs> and will there be a future, another uh, road date or series of dates for that project? Uh, well, I would hope so, but I can't imagine any right now. Right, of course. <laughs> In the far of distant I mean, online, future. This is, with this kind of music, you could probably do a live show online, you know, and, oh, yeah, and that would true. probably work because it's, 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 it is kind of, it's all about sound and, I mean, Ah, something to think about. I mean, it's all the rage at the moment. Just get a good Wi-Fi connection and make it happen. I'm down. <laughs> you know it. There's a lot of bored people. Hell yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for talking with me. I, I think the new album is really interesting and unsettling, and I like that. <laughs> I was listening I, you know, <laughs> I was listening to it. There's something comforting and unsettling music, right? I was listening to it while trying to do actual like work work, and it, it wasn't really the best soundtrack for it because I kept getting distracted. Uh, but it's really cool. <laughs> And, cool. Uh, I mean, what I really think that we want to accomplish is that when you're hearing it, you're seeing things. Yes. You're seeing images as you're listening to it. That's very important. Absolutely am. So it's. I think it works on me. And, uh, awesome. End of April. So. Oh, cool, man. Thanks. Thanks for giving us. Uh, let us talk about it. Of course. You have a good rest of your day, sir. some of my favorite Faith No More song, Cowboy Song. Billy and the rest of Faith No More might still be going on tour this year, TBD as everything is. But if you want to look at dates, merch, and all that good shit, head over to FNM.com. Then to keep up with this collaborator, Jared Blum, head to GigantesSound.com, and the new Talking Book album, Talking Book 2, will be released on April 24th via Cool Arrow Records. To pick up a copy, head to the link in the episode's description, because it is a pain in the ass to say out loud. And as always, if you would like to talk to me, you can head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. There, there's a contact section if you're in a band and you want to be on the show. Facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal is another good resource for that sort of thing. And the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Meter Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. <laughs> A Catbox Production.